Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Physician Podcast. Today, we have with us Dr. Adebayo Fasnia. Dr. Adebayo is a pulmonary critical care trained doctor, a real estate investor syndicator, and is the founder and CEO of Dr. Breathe Easy Capital. He's on a mission to help increase financial literacy amongst physician communities and is on a mission to help them achieve financial independence. Adebayo, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about your story, how you got into medicine and, and just your overall journey. Um, it's a long journey, but I mean, yeah. you know, I'll try my best to go through it. So as you can probably notice from my accent, I'm originally from Nigeria. And uh, I grew up in Nigeria. It was a modest community where when I grew up and uh, fortunately, after when I was 13, my mom was able to travel to Canada. Oh, so okay. because of that, she's able to sponsor us to Canada. So to track back on some of the things of how I have developed as a person, right? So living as a poor <laughs> Nigerian at the time, my dad was an accountant and my mom was a teacher. So, mm -hmm. but they both work. And my mom, when she comes back home as a teacher, she's also going to bake cake for weddings. Okay. She's going to do for bad days. And she also work as a hairdresser, you know. Helping. She had three jobs. Yeah, so it's almost oh, like wow. three jobs. And that's what it takes for us to even get two meals a day. So it was a tight, difficult growing up. Mm -hmm. So, but that's, is one pivotal aspect of my life because I believe that I learned entrepreneurship from that in mm -hmm. that it was ingrained in my mind since that time that I need multiple streams of income, right? And okay. also, I, I never really liked to be like that for, for help, right? So fortunately, though, uh, my mom was, she was able to come for schooling in America, in Canada, and through that, about five years later, she sponsored us to Canada. Oh, so wow. okay. When we go, so yeah, so we, so when we got to Canada, obviously, I was very excited. I was like, yeah. man, this is. I've watched the movies and TV. Yeah. Now that we've arrived, it's time for us to to, to start living the life. Quickly realized that it's not as easy as it looks, right? So my mom went to school for social work in Canada because she cannot just continue being a teacher due to the difference in uh, yeah. type of education. So different countries. America. Yeah. Different countries. So, and then my dad, when she, he came, he was a chartered accountant, which is decent in Nigeria, but over in Canada, he had to go for factory job. He cannot just <laughs> get an account. So yeah. So after that, so of course I had to get a summer job. My brother was uh, 16. I was about to turn 18 at the time. And I worked in the summer for as a, like packing boxes and in a chocolate factory. So it was a factory job. And yeah. so you learn a thing or two about hard work and no hard work, what, dedication. That's an amazing story. You, you saw in childhood like struggles and had a deeper appreciation for hard work. So how did you get into like medical? How did you decide to get into medicine and become a critical? Yeah, so eventually, of course, the summer was over, learned some door-to-door yeah. -door sales to, I learned some skills of sales there. Then I was, I went to undergraduate, right? In biology and mathematics in Canada. 
And after that, of course, uh, you meet some pre-med people. And <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I joined the pre-med yeah. uh, group and, and I kind of wanted to be a veterinary doctor actually, originally, but I kind of uh, switched to human medicine based on the fact that as I grew older, <laughs> I yeah, found that, that it would be good to use my skills for that. So yes, right, so right. that's how the medicine started. Mm -hmm. So then I, I went to medical school and I went to medical school in the Netherlands and Tillis, actually. It's in the mm -hmm. Dutch Caribbean. It's called Seba gotcha. Island. Nice. And so you do, the way it works is you do two years on the island, but you do two years in the U.S., right, for your clinicals. So, and during my clinicals, I got, of course, excited looking at people doing like central lines, art lines, and the kind of complexity that you see in the ICU. Right, and right. So, and to, be, to become a critical care doctor, you have to go to internal medicine first. So I did my internal medicine residency in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Not too far. Yeah. I overlook hospital, mm -hmm. Atlantic Health and mm -hmm. in Summit, New Jersey. After that, then fellowship in uh, Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. And then I found myself in the, in Arkansas, all the way in the deep South. For you know, what? For no, for for job. For job. So I'm working there now. So I'm still here currently. Oh, so wow. okay. Five years. That that's an amazing so, story from childhood to where you are now, and I think you had the winning combination, like you said. You learn sales, you learn importance of hard work, dedication, which I guess set you up for success. So transitioning from when you're working as a critical care, how did you get decide on real estate? So. I have always known, right, to reach the American dream, you're not going to get there by W2, by just working and making income, right? Unless you right. make 500, like you make money like the athletes. Yeah, that's true. That's and, true. and even the celebrities, they all invest in things, right? So they just don't take the money. They invest in it. So, mm. so I've always been interested in uh, real estate, mainly because as in Nigeria, right? We love real assets because mm. for us, if I cannot see it, especially the older generation, it does not. So <laughs> it's much, much easier for me to invest in real estate than any other asset class. Although I do have stocks also, I have crypto, other investments, but my majority is, real estate. Is, is in real estate. Also, yeah. it's understandable. My background was in mathematics, like I said. So I'm yeah. able to learn the calculations, how to analyze the deal. So it came easy to, for me. So I bought my, we started actually with reassignment homes in Canada. I was able to convince my parents with whatever little money we had to do what is called reassignment homes. So mm -hmm. basically you put 10% down on a property. Let's say the property is 500,000. You put $50,000 mm -hmm. down and you can sell or reassign the property from the time that you, you got it to the time that they finished constructing it. So let's say it takes a year or two years to finish construction and it's now worth 600K. You can sell it, reassign it to someone else at, for six, as it's, you only put 50K in it. So you just made 100K extra. So that's how oh, we wow. So that's how we started with little money that we had. But I bought my first right after Red Fellowship. Immediately I started my real job. I actually took a line of credit. I do not advise it for everyone, but I took a hundred, two hundred thousand actually line of credit and basically fueled by my high income that, that I started making, I was able to make it work. 
So that's how I bought my course. But then I was I did well with it, able to pay back the line of credit and also recash out refinance. And then after a while, people started asking me if I can do deals with them. So that's how like the syndication thing started. So I I'm like, okay, fine. You do some, you put this under care, I put under care. Mm -hmm. And then over time, then we just scale into syndication as we get more investors. So now we now have multifamily units and uh, five self storages, two senior living, and we've done two and on our, on our third oil and gas fund right now. So it's a lot, it's, it, everything scaled very quickly in real estate. So it's not a get rich fast scheme, but at right, the right. same time, it does scale. You'll be surprised what you can achieve in 10 years. Right, right. So starting with the first, like, how did you even like learn? I know you say you had a bad background and that's an amazing story and a journey trajectory. So how did you like first learn about the reassignment home and like just learning about it? Because I think that's where a lot of us, my audiences can be stuck is figuring out who to reach out to, how to get involved. So, so where did you learn about uh, some of this stuff? So I read a lot. I actually do have a blog called Dr. Breed Easy Finance. Oh yeah. Exactly. So when I do talk about finances, so I read so many books. So because I often will read a book you know, and then talk about the book, right? So mm -hmm. through that, I was reading like almost like one book a week. So wow. I think being a reader allowed me to really learn a lot of things. That's one benefit of being a nerd. Sometimes, yeah, being a reader. You know, right. yeah, yeah, I was like, I was a typical nerd and this is in a positive way. So, and also another thing is mentorship, right? So yeah. over time, I mean, in the beginning, I was doing it just by myself, by what I read and things like that. But eventually I would call those time to be lucky moments where I was just kind of <laughs> flying. But eventually I was able to join some group, mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. I joined, I actually had a man, I have a mentor. He's still my mentor in, in a way. His name is Gwarav and I was with him for many years. I raised money for him and he would just kind of guide me through how to doing the deal. And also I can still as a resource, right? Very so, right. yeah. So that would say is probably read a lot, get mentorship and you probably should start by first being like a limited partner for maybe a few years to kind of learn how the process works. And then eventually you can buy yours if you if you really have the itch to be, because it's not for everyone. I thrive in challenges, right? I love challenge. And so, but some people, they manage one single property and they're like, I'm done. Not everybody wants to be a landlord because it's actually an active job. It's not really yeah. what people say, if you really want to run, be a syndicator, right? My multi-family, a lot of them. Right. Do you have like a management company that does it? Or is it something that you still like contract out as needed? So yes, we do have a management team. Right. Most, we are trying to, right now that we have a lot of properties, we're converting it in-house now. So we're building mm -hmm. our own team, right? For example, if you're paying $100,000 in management fees, it might be better to you just hire a manager for $60,000, right? Mm -hmm. Hire another virtual assistant with it. So, so we're building our own team in-house now. So the last 129 units that we just closed on in April, 
we are managing that in-house. So that's if we're successful on that, we're probably going to take all the properties and just manage it ourselves. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And I know you mentioned being a, a GP is, is a full-time gig. So I think talk a little bit more, if you can talk a little bit more about like how you balance your time between family obligations, your work, the blog, and being a real estate syndicator. What, what are some of the things you do to make sure you have time for, for as much as possible? Yeah. So in the beginning for any business, right, there's no substitute for the grind. Yeah. So you have to do the grind. You have to do the hard work. And I did that, right? Which thankfully my wife was very supportive, right? So she actually wrote, if you go to Dr. Brady Easy Finance, you actually find some of it is called Mrs. Brady Easy Finance. Part of oh. it, you actually wrote some blogs. Oh, wow. So, That's amazing. You know, yeah. So it's like having like a double team. So it was exciting. But of course, we had three kids after a while. So <laughs> it, it was tough for her to yeah. That and so one is to have a supportive partner if you have one, of obviously, but sometimes <laughs> you can't really predict that. So, yeah. but the I say the most difficult part for most entrepreneurs is cost. Like many don't want to invest in their company and also control. So I'm going to explain that. So yeah. to be successful, you need to build a team, right? And the first member of your team should be a virtual assistant. So. I remember when we got our first virtual assistant, it, it cost like 1500 a month. And I was looking at the blog, we're making like $24,000 a year. It's not really like a lot of money, right? Right, right. And then from this real estate, most of it, you're returning money to investors. You're not really, you're getting some cash flow from it. And basically spending a good amount of that to hire a virtual assistant, right? At that time, we had maybe like 62 units. So <laughs> have a lot of leeway, but basically investing all of that money back into the company. And that frees up a lot of my time. So they take out a lot of repetitive tasks off your plate, right? And this allows you to free time to focus on your actual business and to run multiple other businesses. Like we have a DMA company now, we have a car audio company. So we do like, we also syndicate companies, not just real estate only. Mm -hmm. so, so that's it. So you need to build a team. And the next thing is like, for example, now we have an acquisition manager, right? So before I used to analyze every single deal, like probably 10 deals a day, right? Oh, wow. So that he does that now. So the deal only come to me, maybe two deals that are ready to go. And I analyze it. I take a look at it, confirm it. And I say yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's that before it was, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of this. Yeah, Every yeah. deal, once the people know that, especially, especially in the area, once they know that you do deals and you're able to close and you're a syndicator, they will start sending you multiple deals, so many off market deals, right? And mm -hmm. it takes your time. Sometimes you sleep like 2 a.m. <laughs> so it's what it is. Yeah. I'm not saying you can avoid that in the beginning, but after a while, though, within a year, you should start building a team and you might just have to hire the virtual assistant by just putting your own money in it mm -hmm. but that pays you up to scale your business okay right, right. so we have a due diligence team too once you get the deal you get it to the due diligence and then they go take a look at the property they work it every single unit right before i have to go do that <laughs> like the one that i want <laughs> and sometimes one we have one of the deal 376 units so imagine going through 376 units that's going to take a full weekend. Yeah. You know? 
and you're not going to be able to do a good job, to be honest, because you're fatigued after the 200. Yeah, one, right? yeah you know? you're done. So, so you do have a team, then you have investor relations. I used to raise all my money before, right? I used to raise my money. I used to talk. I used to raise my money all by myself, like raise money for deals. But now we have investor relations team, right? George Ozude, who is like my partner on in our podcast and webinar, is one of our capital partners, right? So he yeah. does he does work as investor relations, even though he has his own real estate syndication company as a capital raiser. So that allows me like to think about me having to raise two million, so each fifty thousand each investor. So yeah. you have to talk to a lot of investors. A lot but, of people, right? Yeah, but if somebody can help you raise a million, a million dollars, so that's reduced it to twenty people that I have to talk to, right? right. So, so that's how you actually do. So all of everybody working together to make my life easier as the CEO. So of course it's a team effort. So you have to be able to give away control. Because it was difficult at first to, for me mm. to be able to do that, right? Because I Keep want control, every, right. I feel like I'm good at all of it. Right, right. But you felt to find like things you're the best at. Yeah. Sounds like, and then you stick with that. Yes, and it's just I still do some investor relations, like PR, right? <laughs> like what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Webinars and podcasts, and yeah. also making the big, bigger decisions. So that's what I'm saying. Ultimately, the business should be able to run without you after a while right mm. it could take many years but that should be the goal so just keep thinking of ways that things that literally take your time but it's not so pivotal to the real like higher functioning of the company i need mm. to have all of that no that's amazing so i think one other question that comes up when i when i hear you talk it's like it sounds like you kind of knew real estate was it for you and you're really good at it and you're able to amplify and grow your business but I think for a lot of us, I think they don't know really what they're good at besides clinical medicine. And we live in a world of opportunities where you see crypto, you see, you see real estate, you see stocks, options trading, acting. And so we live in a sea of opportunities. So what's like your advice to someone who doesn't really know like which one is something that they're good at and they can achieve financial independence or if they just focused and pursued that thing. So you first you have to decide do you want to be active or do you want to be passive there is this push for everybody wants to start a business want to be you don't absolutely have to yeah the easiest part really will be you continue doing what you love the most you do your medicine okay you have high income dedicate 100 200 000 or whatever you can every year invest in real estate syndication oil and gas multiple different real assets over time. Also, you do your 401k. Don't don't neglect that. I do have mm -hmm. 401k. So I don't want people to say, so you need to diversify. You need to have your broad mm -hmm. 401k and then still invest in mm -hmm. real assets. So, so over time, your passive income will reach a, a living wage. Let's say two years what you need to survive or 150,000 and your passive income reach that. So that at that time, you can decide now to do whatever you want. You can decide mm -hmm. to decrease your hours, right, from work. You can decide to quit. You can decide to try other business venture, right? Because at that time, you have a backup. You have yeah. you know, the passive income. So that's probably the easiest and the least risky part. However, mm -hmm. if you absolutely want to take more, your more risk taker, then 
you could you could start by buying some properties of your own. So we also offer a mentorship program, coaching program. Mm -hmm. Right now, I do it on, on my own because I'm just getting started with that. So whoever wants to be our mentee is going to be lucky at this time because they're going to be talking to me, not like <laughs> virtual assistants, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you could find a mentor. You could be a year program. You could be a coaching program, depending on how you learn. Mm -hmm. And after, after a period of time, also we have one in which we do deals with you. If you have a good amount of money, and then let's say $200,000 or so. And then we can find you a property like 700,000 or so. And then we walk you through how to do the deals from the beginning till the end. So we have to work, work out some compensation on, on our side, obviously, but we will walk you through the whole process. So that's what I would say I would recommend. Decide whether you want to be active or passive. If you want to be passive for now, just be passive, don't, chase other people everybody be like why oh, have one thousand dollars two thousand dollars it's not about mm -hmm. the dollars you have to run your own race okay. and decide in what you want to do and then if you want to do yeah. active you have enough emergency funds you have enough to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. then you can do that so i know it's not the part that i took i'm more of a risk taker and obviously it worked out because yeah, yeah. but sometimes it does so yeah. you know what kind of risk you can take what kind of person yeah. you are and that would determine how you go with the goal but regardless though you need someone you need to mentorship or a group we also have investment group that people can join so that they can talk with other people that are trying to invest especially if you're a physician dad we have a physician dad group just physician dads only and oh, then wow. we have, <laughs> yeah and then we have a general group too which you can talk with other people about investments. I can actually post a link to your mentorship group because I think that's something that some people might be interested in. Yeah. Well, what's the structure of it? Is it a year-long mentorship that you have? Oh, what's the structure of the mentorship program? So right now, it's mostly one. one I only have like two, two mentees right now. But ultimately, it will be like uh, we do a call one week, one hour a week to kind of discuss whether how to analyze a deal, how to find a deal. Basically, there's a bunch of topics that we talk about over time. And mm. I'm going to be available. It's going to be a group. Once there's more people, it's going to start to be a group kind of coaching thing. And then if you want to do a deal, specifically, if that's your own goal, then we all go through the whole process of looking for the deal, analyzing the deal, look, talking to bankers, talking to commercial brokers and closing the deal title how do you negotiate the deal then once you buy it then how do you manage the deal then you meet every week we do like a management meeting every week mm -hmm. to kind of talk about the property how the property is doing what needs to be done so we do that for every property that we have so and then if you're if that's yours and i'm part of the deal obviously you get to come in on the back end and see what the GP actually have to deal with. And we kind of yeah. follow you. Usually it's for a year to follow you, but then you will, I'm still going to be available, obviously. I'm not going to let the, <laughs> the property crash, right? So, but I would believe that after one year of tutorship, of mentorship, you should at least be able to manage and understand how to do things. Also, then many people end up becoming a general partner with us because they can raise money if they have good network 
so they can raise money for deals and they can become general partner. It's an easier pathway, but there are some too that want to start their own syndication company too. That's okay too, because we need more physicians in this space. Right, right. Speaking of more physicians in the real estate space, what do you think about the current real estate market and with the interest rates and, and what do you think it's going to look like in a couple of years? Because I, I understand it's like very cyclical market. So if you can comment a little bit more on like what, what you think it's like heading towards. So this, of course, is my opinion and based on what I've read so far. So the first question people always ask is, will the market crash? Mm -hmm. So the answer to that to me is I doubt it. Okay. This is because of the low inventory currently, especially single family homes, right? Mm. People that are locked in great interest rates below 5%, they're not going to give that up. They're not going to give that up, right? To buy at a higher rate. Even I thought about yeah. moving. My interest rate is 3.5% on my house. Wow. I, you know, <laughs> And then I'm like, I want to move to a new job or something. But if I move, I will sell this and then buy one at 7%. So that's not going to be great. So I'll buy like half of the house for double the mortgage or something like that. So it's not going to be great. So another one is the interest rates, right? What's going to happen to interest rates? So most economists now think that mortgage rate is going to continue to increase. So right now for single families, like 7% and for multifamily, it's now as high as 9% now. So it's very difficult to find a deal that works. Like I analyzed, we've analyzed so many deals. We've been sending letter of intent, like at least two a week. And everything mm-hmm. is being rejected because people still think their house is worth a lot. And their multifamily is worth a lot more than it is. Because, but once you run the numbers, you're not going to cash flow, right? At that interest rate, everything's going to be going into paying the mortgage. So, but I don't, but they do believe that though that by 2025, that the interest rate should be returning back to 5.56%. So we just have to survive this storm of the 2023 and 2024, because most believe that they cannot continue to keep the rate at that high rate without crashing the economy ultimately. Because right? it's making housing unaffordable for many. So that's it about interest rate. The other thing is own prices. Despite all of this, I actually don't think there'll be a major change in home price in the next year. I do think that it will be plus or minus 5%, especially in most markets. Now, in a bigger market like California, yes, I do believe that it would drop maybe like 10, it would drop more significantly, right? Because they also rise significantly. Toronto market, yeah. we've we'll been we'll monitoring Toronto, Toronto, right, in Canada. So many of the houses, house prices have gone down like 20% or more, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think right now we've been down by 10% in the US, maybe 15%. And I think that's uh, maybe 5% more. So I think we're going to stabilize. People are going to accept their faith and just buy, <laughs> right? You have to live yeah. somewhere because rent is going to continue to increase. Exactly, yeah. And their own price, so it's be stable. So that's even that's if the economy, yeah, yeah, even if the economy cools down, I think the rent prices are not going to go down. They're going to stay where they are or go up. So yes, that's, that's what point. I think. And commercial real estate potentially down due to possible foreclosures and from over leverage syndicators and operators, right? Right now, like some operators are so confident, they kept variable interest rate, right? And then they start from three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's no way your cash flowing at this time. So many of them might be forced to, to sell. 
or foreclose. Many of the commercial loan is five years. There's a chance that many of them will be coming due if we forgot to refinance. We refinanced all of our loans when it was low. And then now we have five years to go. So we believe that before 2020, we should be okay. But yeah. some people did not refinance. And now they're in trouble. So they probably have to sell, but usually at a lower rate because now mm. they're under distress. Where do you see yourself in five, 10 years, you know, in terms of your clinical career, your real estate trajectory? Uh, how do you envision how those two things playing out down the road? So I believe in five years, I would have stabilized myself in my clinical career better mm -hmm. because I'm actually in the middle of transitioning from my W2 to a private practice of my own. So I believe that on the long run will allow me more time uh, flexibility, ability to yeah. do things the way I want to do it. And this mm -hmm. is the goal of the passive income ultimately right now i have enough passive yeah. income to you know break my fall in case you right, know. Right. but i but I, eventually i'll figure it out right you know maybe i'll figure it out immediately maybe it'll take a few years but either way by that by five years i believe that should be stabilized i believe to continue to grow in the real estate world and by that time i want to transition to a fund manager ultimately i want to start a fund you know to be like mm. a 20 million dollar fund and this is what we're going to use it to buy so it's a whole different level. I think it's the next step up. And so my goal ultimately, though, you know, is to be able to work medicine maybe one week a month or maybe two weeks maximum and then do real estate for the rest of it. And ability to, of course, with real estate, if you're not doing an active deal, you can take time off. You can travel. I can do the real estate on the cruise. <laughs> Talking to my team, I could do it in Russia. I could do it in any country, you know. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. I do it from Nigeria because that's my, you know, where I came from. My wife is from Jamaica. We plan to either move to one of those countries ultimately, you know. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, like at the end, you know, like God's willing. Go to retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go to retirement. Yeah, yeah. So, so it will be something I will be able to do from anywhere. So, yeah, so that's the goal. So ultimately is to be able to balance medicine still. Um, even though I talk about financial independence, uh, retiring early, I'm really more in the financial independence and financial freedom part of it, you know? So financial freedom, they allow you to do basically what you want to do in life. What I want to do right. is to be own like multiple businesses, be CEO, go give talks, write a book, you know? Like, you know, that's kind of the things I want to do, ultimately. I already know I want to write some too, so. Yeah, yeah. And you have your own wisdom to share too, you know, at that point. Like so, your yeah. own life journey to share, you know, to introduce that angle. So that, that's amazing. That's a good, like, ambitious goal. And wish you the best in that. Final question is, what piece of advice you would give to someone, I guess, someone like yourself, you know, when you're starting out as a new, newly graduated critical care attendant? So, <laughs> first thing, you know, I think, most people should already done this. Number one, pay all your credit cards. So you need mm -hmm. to make sure there is no credit card debt. If you use it, make sure you pay back. And yeah. you know, don't have. There's no reason to have a 18% interest for anything yeah. in your life. Right. <laughs> okay. So because you should be getting the 18%, not giving it. So right. also, I put have a minimum required emergency fund of 1,000 at the time. But of course, now in hindsight, you need a lot more than that. I mean, that's just the minimum. Six months, right? Some people say yes. six months. Are so six months comes later. 
So I actually do believe that you should refinance your loan because it's almost better for you to be paying the loan rather than building such a big emergency funds. Maybe you can build three months. Then yeah. refinance your loan, pay off any loan with the rate interest rate above 5%, okay? Then utilize your employer 401k up to the match, right? And if you have money left, invest in Roth IRA. If you make too much money, do the backdoor Roth IRA. You know, you can find a lot of information online on how to do the backdoor Roth IRA, right? Then pay off the remaining of your student loan. I know many people will say if it has low interest, you should keep it. I absolutely paid off mine in my first year as an attendant, and I never looked. So, yeah. so it allows you to have enough cash flow. And also, it's a psychological win, you know, paying off that debt. It was $300,000. It was just at the back of my mind, you know, <laughs> affecting me yeah. psychologically. And I, I paid it off. I felt like I'm free to do whatever, you know. So maximize your retirement savings now. Now, if you have not max, get, get it just up to the match before for call one k now max it up. Then boost up your emergency savings at this point to six months now, you know, mm -hmm. and then start investing in your children's education. And then, then after you've done all this, is when I do believe that you should start doing more of the alternative assets. So then you should save at least one third of your income, you know, structure you know, if you can. And at that time, you need to go wild because you're behind already. Most people are already in their 30s by the time they start making big money as a decision. So you need to really invest heavily at that time. So so that's it. I'll say you should get uh, housekeeping done. You know, I, I do a little bit of financial coaching too. Like I meet people uh, and then I talk to them. Usually I give 30 minutes free one-on-one -on -one talk. We go through your finances and try to create a plan for you. Even though we want you to invest mm. with us, our goal is for you to be financially stable. So if we know that you don't have emergency fund, we're not going to say, come and invest $50,000. <laughs> so our yeah. goal is long-term relationship. It's not, you know, it's not just about let's just invest and keep going, right? So so we go look at your overall perspective. We don't really believe in paying off mortgage until you're like in your late 50s. You know, right, right. Because those are low, low debt in the past. Now with eight percent, you probably should pay it off. <laughs> but but when the mortgage <laughs> was like three point five percent, I'm never gonna pay it off. You have to kill me to pay. Yeah, and and thank you for those amazing insights. Thank you to the podcast, and we're very excited for endeavors. Keep up the work with Dr. Breezy Capital.